Greetings and welcome to the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, John Solberg. Today, looking back, April 26, 2011, it's a doubleheader. Ken Hess. Ken Hess from Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue fame. A lot of great information from this guy. We're going to hear his thoughts on barbecuing, cooking, backyarding, how to improve your game. But first, in the first segment, let's get a little bit of history on Big Bob Gibson's and how he fits into that whole game. Moments of the Barbecue Central Show In 10 minutes or less Come on, let's go Uh, but how about a little background about yourself Kind of where you grew up uh, If barbecue was something that's always been a part of your life And we'll build on from there Okay, um, I actually um, Grew up in Brooklyn, New York And uh, then went to Oklahoma State For my hotel and restaurant management degrees um, from there, I trained at the Culinary Institute of America up in Hyde Park, New York, and then um, spent a three-year apprenticeship program at the Greenbrier Resort in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, during this time, that's when I started dabbling in barbecue because there was no barbecue restaurants near me in West Virginia, and I went and bought uh, one of those Brinkman offsets from Walmart and started playing around with you know different barbecue to see if I could replicate what I liked eating back in Oklahoma. Um, I met uh, my mentor at the time, Ethan Heilman, who was the chef who was in charge of all the barbecue for the Greenbrier Resort. And uh, on my days off, I would bring him barbecue at his house, and he would tell me what I did wrong or what I could improve on or what he liked and, you know, if there's too much smoke flavor and really just helped me, you know, guide me down the path of barbecue. So how does that culminate into you getting on with Big Bob Gibson's? Um, well, what's funny is that one time when uh, Ethan went to go see Memphis and Maine cook with uh, Oklahoma Joe's competition team, I watched his dog form, and he actually brought me back a bottle of Bob Gibson's white sauce. So uh, that was the first time I'd ever you know, started my research on white sauce and the Big Bob Gibson uh, phenomenon here in Decatur. And... Uh, during the time I was able to take over the barbecue, the Greenbrier, I was able to bring on Dr. Barbecue, Myron Mixon, Chris Lilly to teach uh, classes one summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that time, uh, the Greenbrier was going through some uh, ownership uh, issues and, and yeah. they were being sold and uh, ended up getting owned uh, by Jim Justice, a great guy now. But it was just time for me to move along, and I've been doing the barbecue for the Greenbrier for about three years then. And uh, Chris and Don McElmore had me up to help them with the James Beard dinner up at the James Beard Foundation in New York. And uh, I was able to uh, really impress them with how I worked and how I was able to help manage people. And they offered me a job down here in Decatur to help take over 
management for the largest, which is our original store at Sixth Avenue here. Um, Ken, if I could back up for a second, I mean, it sounds like you are, you know, maybe not the most prototypical barbecue guy. Uh, certainly, I've talked to a number of people that are classically trained. I mean, you're a classically trained chef. You've, uh, you know, been through the the whole uh, schooling and all that other stuff. Uh, how do you find? barbecue to be versus some of that more let's call it high class or, or hoity-toity type fare is that something you still like to do or is the true love now with you and passion barbecue um the true love with me is still barbecue but with the food and wine festivals that chris goes out and we get to go and do or some of the nascar events where we get to cook for people they don't always just want just our poor shoulders and our ribs they want you know, smoked quail and, and smoked barbecue shrimp and maybe some smoked slab bacon truffle BLT sliders or something. So I'm able to take what I classically am trained at and very good at still and, and, and find tweaks to switch it into barbecue and make barbecue elevated to the next level. But I still think that barbecue is fundamentally, you know, low and slow, still in the roots of the traditions of cooking over hardwood, large cuts of meat, and nowadays people are just trying to just get back to those just traditional comfort flavors and techniques. Is the higher-end food something that kind of makes an appearance here or there on the menu at Big Bob Gibson's restaurant, or do you stay pretty true to the roots? We stay pretty true to the roots that um, Big Bob started back in 1925. We still have whole shoulders, whole chickens, uh, brisket and turkey, and also our ribs. Uh, we actually just launched a new smoked uh, ham sandwich with a nice uh, honey mustard uh, spread on it. We started it yesterday, just trying to do something that, you know, Don um, always loves ham at the, at a family events, and throughout, you know, every holiday meal, we always smoke hams here mm-hmm. for his family, and he wanted to find a way to put that ham that he loves onto a sandwich. So Chris has been working on that along with myself and our one of our other pitmasters, Steve, and we got that launched today. And you're able to take that high-end training of how do you bulk produce something and, and do it in a quality manner and, and give that to our customers still for a fair price. You know, uh, can you give us kind of a brief background about uh, Big Bob Gibson himself and how he got into the restaurant business and how it's grown over the years? Okay. Um, back around well, the early 20s, Big Bob was working for a railroad company on his days off and, and, and the weekends when he wasn't on the railroad, he would actually he had built himself a brick pit with red clay, which we have all over here in northern Alabama, and built these pits that he smoked whole shoulders, whole chickens, and he just invited his friends over for a fun time. And just good barbecue, good family, and just having your friends there and just, you know, telling stories and going through it. Well, eventually, it just got getting bigger and bigger every weekend, to the point where in 1925 he quit the railroad company and opened up his first Big Bob Gibson freestanding restaurant here in Decatur, which at the time was actually on what was considered farm line land and on the outskirts of town. And we're pretty close to the original store now at the location, and we're right in the middle of Decatur, Alabama, at our at our store here at Sixth Avenue. And on Decatur, uh, the Danville Road store, we're just you know seven miles away, but we're still in you know the heart of Decatur now. Um, the shoulders were always done with red vinegar sauce, and Big Bob came up with the white sauce, which is really, I mean, he's the original person who came up with it, and now, due to the television appearances and the awards that Chris and Don have won, it really sets another region of barbecue now. People have 
the Carolinas and you have the North and South Carolina debate and then the Texas and the Kansas City and then the St. Louis styles. And Alabama now has its own identity with this white sauce, which was started by our founder back in 1925. Would you like to make your own team and get out on the competition circuit a little more if you could? Well, I used to have my own team before I started at Big Bob's. I had a team called Hosses Barbecue and Catering Company out of mm-hmm. West Virginia. I got reserve champion, uh, I think, twice in Shelby, North Carolina. Got a couple first-place trophies, and I really missed going out with my guys and stuff, but they knew when I moved here that I was becoming part of the Big Bob Gibson team and would have to start traveling with them. I do miss it a lot, but a couple of my friends here locally um, have their own team, and I've actually become the chairperson for... Riverfest, which uh, the Decatur JCs have hosted for about seventeen years now. So, what kind of a what kind of a competition scene do you like? Do you like Memphis and May? Do you like KCBS? Uh, maybe you've poked down into the Florida Barbecue Association neck of the woods. Uh, wh- which ones do you find to be the best run competitions, and which ones do you like to take part in the most? Um, for me personally, I always did KCBS just because for me, I couldn't always have a guaranteed team before I came here. Now that we have a set group of people that travels with us, Memphis in May is very enjoyable. I love the people. I love seeing the judges in front of us so they, they can see us, they can see the product, you know, as a whole product instead of just in a blind box. But I also understand that, you know, just because I can tell a better story than the next guy, that shouldn't always count either. Um, I do like the challenges of KCBS that you don't have with Memphis in May in terms of you got chicken, you have the ribs, you have the shoulders, and you have brisket, so... You're going through more of what we do at the restaurants, whereas we don't always do whole hogs here at the restaurants. We do do whole shoulders and ribs, but, you know, we do great briskets and we do great chicken, too. So I like that there's a different kind of challenge at KCBS, but in Memphis and May, you also have a different challenge of your site has to be immaculate. You have to be on point for three judges in a row, plus your blind box. And then you also know that the finals, every finals judges tasted the top nine teams which I think is pretty unique, too. Do you think that the Memphis and May, uh, or, or let's reclassify it as Memphis Barbecue Network, I know the MAM competition is kind of a standalone, but you have Memphis Barbecue Network, similar judging format. Do you think that gets a raw deal from some of the other competition sanctioning bodies and from some of the other people that compete in barbecue events saying that it's more of a dog and pony show versus a, a real meat competition? I think there is some of that, and I can't say that before I came to work for Big Bob's that I didn't kind of feel that way myself. But after being a part of the team and seeing it live and being at it, I don't think it's as much of that. I think it's one of those things where people use that as the excuse of why they don't do MBNs. You know, or in the same regards, that's why some people say they don't do KCBS. Well, why do I just want to put it in a blind box and just, you know, roll the dice? So I think there's both options there that are great, but when I was only doing KCBS, I was one of those people who said, I don't understand, you know, the whole dog and pony show, but now I really enjoy it. It gives me a thrill in in a different way than just putting out your blind boxes every 30 minutes. Ken Hess joining us here on the show. Uh, Ken, before I let you go, maybe if I could get some uh, tips and techniques from you uh, to the people out there that might be hitting the barbecue this weekend. You know, if you're going to be cooking a brisket, you know, there's a lot of talk about this Wagyu beef. There's a lot of talk about choice or just, you know, regular, uh, like, certified Angus. What do you prefer? What have you seen work well both in backyard and in competition settings? Um, I've seen, you know, I've seen 
lots of different styles. I mean, if you look at what brisket started at, it was a cheap, tough cut of meat that wasn't as valuable as beef tenderloin. That's why it became a cut that we started barbecuing. And now, um, with like Snake River Farms having the Wagyu beef, you know, their product is amazing and it's just as, you know, good, you know, that it's that high quality of a product and you can do great things with it. But at the same time, somebody can go to their local butcher and get a commodity brisket and do the same techniques and still have a wonderful product. Um, brisket's one of the hardest ones, I think, to cook out of the KCBS four, you know, the main four categories. And I think what you have to do is you have to go low and slow. You're looking from, you know, my opinion, 195 to 200 is your stopping time. If you're going to put it into a cooler and rest it, you could probably go to 190. But it's a fine line that if you go over to like 203 or something, you're going to get back to shoe leather. And I think that's the trickiest part of the of the brisket. Whereas with a pork shoulder, it'll fall apart after 185, 190. And you could probably, it could take a little bit more abuse than the brisket will. When you're doing the pork, do you uh, cook for money muscle? Do you pull that out separately? Or do you just kind of pull it all in together? Um, we what we really what we do is we try to take the money muscle. We make sure that we're paying attention to it throughout the cooking process, making sure that it's not overcooking. But we all, what we will do is we'll take some of that bark from the money muscle, inside meat from the money muscle, and try to you know showcase it in the box, not necessarily just mix it up with all the shoulder meat. I mean, there are some parts of the shoulder that, no matter if you cook it perfectly or not, are going to be a little bit drier than the money muscle. And so, therefore, you try to showcase that in your competition box. What do you think the next trend coming into competition barbecue is going to be? We've seen the emergence of Wagyu beef. We've seen uh, certainly an emergence of competition cooking classes being taught by people that are currently winning out there and kind of showcasing what they're doing in regards to winning. What do you think the next evolution of the sport might bring? I think what you're going to see is that people are going to have to start finding new ways to get flavors in whether it's through different layerings and different techniques, because with all these classes that everyone's teaching and everything that's out there, the judges, in my mind, eventually are going to be like, okay, I'm tasting the same sweet thing everywhere I go. And what I'm hoping is that the regional, like if you came to Whistle Stop here in Huntsville, which is happening in a couple weeks, um, I'm hoping that you'll see that a regional team with regional flavors will start doing better. It seems to me like a lot of the barbecue we're all trying to get to the exact same place. And I think that I'd like to see the regionality come out a little bit more. Do you think that there's a, do you think there's an apprehension, Ken, on teams that are getting into it? I mean, look, you certainly know better than anybody else that competing, especially a number of times during the course of the year, just doing one is very expensive. You're looking probably a five, six hundred dollars on a low end, eight, nine plus hundred dollars on a high end for a given weekend. Uh, and teams don't want to lose. They want to have at least a category call or two or, or maybe take a reserve or a grand overall champion to kind of get that money back. Should people be going into these thinking that they're going to be able to make money on them, or is this something that you should be doing because, A, you're competitive and you want to make sure that you're providing the best product possible, but you're not going in to, to win money overall? Um, I, I think the, the key that everyone's missing is they they see – you know, the the teams winning first place or the Royal winning these big checks. That's not what we came out for in the beginning. We came out for because we thought we had the best barbecue and you wanted bragging rights. It wasn't about the money. I mean, some of my best friends who were on the Barbecue Central Forum, like, you know, Bill Small and Chris Capel from Dizzy Pig, 
are friends of mine because at the you know throughout the contest at late nights at two or three o'clock in the morning they were out there tending their fires just like I was. I think that's where if you're starting out you need to go bring your family, your wife, your kids, or if you're single like I am, bring your buddies that you hang out with, and you're going to have fun and try to get that you know hey, I've got the best barbecue in this area or at this contest, and you're trying to get that feeling. I mean, I never won a grand champion while I was the Hoss's barbecue, and I still have some of the best friends in the barbecue world because of those late nights telling stories, maybe passing a bottle of moonshine around. <laughs> maybe. And, and, you know, just getting those stories down, and, and that's what made my friends. I'm the friends of their families. I love their products, and that's where it all came from. At one point... I think it was the second time I cooked in Lynchburg, Virginia. I got fifth place out of 45 teams, and I was a trained chef. I was embarrassed. You know, I thought, well, everyone where I know loves my food. They think it's the best. I've got to go back and tell my executive chef, who's a certified master chef, that I got fifth. Giant Tree came up to me and said, hey, hey, son, you know, you did an awesome job. I said, well, I didn't do as well as you. You won. He said, boy, how many do you do a year? I said, about four. He goes, I do about 40 more of those than you do. Yeah. And if you're a small regional team that's just starting your first contest, you've got to realize that there are teams coming out there that do this every weekend, Friday through Sunday. And that's what you need to keep in perspective is that you're going against pros. You might have the best in your box, but you're going against some people who do it every weekend. So just go to have fun. Consider it like if you were going to a casino. If you had $500, that's what you're going to lose in a casino. Consider it a con- contribution to having a great weekend. Let me ask you this, Ken, because I, I think it's kind of funny. I'm glad you laid that whole uh, that whole anecdote out for us. The teams that are coming in doing competitions weekend in, weekend out, and then there's teams like yourself, you know, when you were back doing it maybe four or five times a year. Should there be, because the sport is continuing to evolve into what it is now currently, should there be like a, an extra separate delineation between the teams that are really out there if you're going to do you know 25 or 30 plus a year you're now in like a a different professional category or a professional category and everything else is more of a backyard sure you can still do the same four categories but the chances of you winning might be i don't know a little bit better than facing the teams that are out there all the time or is it better to have everybody lumped in because you do have that crapshoot shot of taking down the best in the country that weekend I think it's, you go that way because, you know, there are those times when that amateur player gets in that pro tournament for the weekend and wins it, beats Tiger Woods, beats Jack Nicholson, and it's his first pro contest ever. That's what competition's about. I mean, you can't take the Yankees and the Red Sox out of the whole Major League Baseball team because they're in first and second every year. I mean, you've got to go for it, and that's what competition's about. If you constantly just let there be an okay class and then the, the pros – all in a pro division, I don't think you get the honest competition where some people are like, hey, I'm going to take a risk to try to beat these guys. Ken Hess joining us here on the show. Uh, you can find him at the Big Bob Gibson's restaurant out there in Decatur on 6th Street. Uh, Ken, give us a website in case people want to go and check it out. Um, it's www.bigbobgibson.com. And uh, you can buy our sauces online there and everything else. Uh, Books, t-shirts, and uh, we'll be out in the road all over this summer. And you're going to be uh, out there Memphis in May for sure. Definitely be in Memphis in May. Come by and say hi. You know, I'm I'm the big guy. Looks like Hoss Cartwright from Bonanza, <laughs> so you'll find me. There you go, Ken Hess joining us here on the show. Ken, I really appreciate the time. Glad we could finally put it together. Thanks for doing it.
Thanks, Greg. Have a great evening. All right. Take care. There he is, Ken Hess, coming strong on a Tuesday evening. And there it is, Ken Hess and Greg Rempe from April 26, 2011. Don't forget, you can get this episode and every other episode in the archives over at thebbqcentralshow.com. There's an archive tab at the top of the page. There's a search function on the page. And of course, there's a subscribe button. You will never miss an episode of the Barbecue Central Show or this show again. Until next time on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I'm your host, John Solberg. I'll talk to you soon. Moments of the Barbecue Central Show In ten minutes or less Come on, let's go